Man, all over this room right now, it feels like the resurrected king is just at work. The resurrected king is breaking some chains and healing some lonely hearts, restoring some lost relationships. I've been feeling this one all day, planting some God-sized dreams into some hearts right now. We have the saying around here, no normal Sundays. Because today is not a normal Sunday, church. Make no mistake about it. Today is not one of those you just show up to church to check it off the list kind of days. The creator of the universe is here right now in this room. He's crazy about you. He loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life, and he is ready to speak to you today. So get your hopes up right now, church, for what's about to happen in these next few minutes. And may I just say welcome to Red Rocks Austin. Y'all can take a seat. Hey, I brought a prop with me today. That's how you know it's gonna be a good day of church. But before we get there, I get to make fun of myself for a couple of minutes, which is one of my favorite pastimes, and it's just something that's so easy because I'm an easy target. So let's throw that picture up. I'm the last of the three of us to, to go through the get to know your pastor, and I must say, I think we saved the best for last. I just let Doug and E roast me, and that they did. So uh, let's walk through this wannabe boot connoisseur, uh, emphasis on the wannabe for sure. Um, only dresses up to preach is funny coming from Doug because by about 12.30, he'll have sweatpants like back on, you know? Like um, a couple of weeks ago, we were driving to dinner after the six o'clock service, and we were on our way to the domain, and he just kept going, I wish I had basketball shorts right now. Man, I wish I had basketball shorts right now. And I was like, you're an adult. You're going out to a restaurant. Like, you should be able to do this by now, Doug. The flannel thing is getting old, and so I wore a flannel today, Beach, because if it's not broke, you don't fix it. Not even that smart, totally true. Grows a beard to hide his face. This is actually true. Years ago, when I started growing my beard out, I started to realize that more and more people would be like, Ryan, you look really good today. And I'd get in my car and drive home and realize like, Oh, so like the less of this that you can see, the better off we are. Got it. No problem. I can handle that. Check out my podcast. I don't think I've ever uttered that phrase before in my life. Although stories in scripture, seasons one through four on Spotify and Apple Podcasts now. Check it out. My best friends are coffee shops. Not sure uh, what's wrong with that. And um, what's funny is I'm the book guy because Doug and E read like one book a year, you know, so just by default. But here's my, here's my problem with this. My problem is the stats. I feel like I spent a lot of time making Doug and E's stats, and they were hilarious. I think that Doug and E got a little lazy when it comes to my stats. I mean, look at this. Drives, same as Doug. Height, exactly the same as Doug. Weight, once again, exactly the same as Doug. Now, all true, just lazy, okay? That's my, that's my only critique. I just kind of feel like you guys are putting me into a box, you know? Like I'm my own person. Anybody ever felt like people are putting them into a box before? I feel like we do that all the time. In fact, I feel like we do that with God sometimes. And so the title of my message today is The God Box. Are you kidding me? What kind of transition statement was that? All three of us tried to transition from making fun of ourselves to preaching a sermon. And I'm not saying it's a competition thing, but I am winning. So... 
You're welcome. The God Box is what we are going to call today's sermon. Week four of wondering where to find it. I've had this thought for the last few years, and today felt like the right time to talk about it. That, if I ask the question, what do you think about when you think about God? Like, how would you answer that question? If we pass the microphone around right now, we would get a whole hundreds of different answers to that question. Who is God? But all of our answers would have one thing in common. All of us, no matter how big our image of God is, all of our images of God are too small, right? And that's not a shot at me, that's not a shot at you, it's just an observation about what it means to be human. We're finite human beings trying to explain an infinite God, which means every single time we're going to come up short, or in other words, we put God into a box. Now, some of our God boxes are bigger than others, and I would say that one way to think about the Christian journey is to constantly let God shatter the box that you put him in because it comes back stronger the next time around. It's like going to the gym. If you wanna get stronger, if you wanna build muscles, you have to break down the muscles and be sore for a couple of days, and then the muscles come back stronger the next time, the next time, and the next time, or so it has been explained to, to me. And so what I thought would be fun is uh, if today we would practice letting God shatter the box, break down the box that we put him in so that we can all walk out of here with a bigger understanding of God. Make no mistake about it, God belongs in no box. Well, when you go to seminary, one of the first things you learn is that God is omnipresent, that he's everywhere. And then also omniscient and omnipotent if you want some, some like smart words to, to drop. If anyone's having a theological debate and you don't know what they're talking about but they ask you your opinion, just say, oh, I've been thinking about like the omniscience of God a lot recently. And they'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, this guy, this, this girl, she knows what, what she's talking about. God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere. And so any box, by definition, is going to be too small, but the game is let's break down the God box over and over and over again and get a bigger and bigger view of God because I'll say this, it's a big statement, but uh, I believe it. I think that worry and anxiety and fear is a result of our God box being too small. Like if we really understood how, how big God was, how good God was, then we would take him at his word when he says things like, don't worry about tomorrow. I, I got this, and I'm really big. But because we put God in a box, we, we and myself included, still find ourselves getting anxious uh, about things. Or you think about like seasons of life where you're stuck, or where you're like stuck in, in a rut, and you don't know what the next season should look like. I think oftentimes that's because we are putting God in too small of a box. If we really understood how good his plans were for us, right, and how he actually has these plans for us to step into, if we would let God shatter the small box that we put him in, I think we'll find ourselves finding our calling. Or you think about like insecurities. Insecurities, somebody criticizes you or says something mean about you and you let it ruin your day, right? We let it ruin our day. Why do we do that? Because we don't quite understand just how loving God really is. We really understood that God is crazy about you, that God calls me his son. 
I wouldn't be so worried about everybody's opinions of me, right? So in other words, the more that we can just break down these boxes that we try to put God in, the, the more of a firm foundation we're going to have and the more effective we're going to be in this world as Christians. Think about like my, my grandpa. He, he's turning 91 uh, in a, a couple of weeks and still every morning in the word, right, and praying. Doug and I are so lucky we have praying grandparents, and I think that's a lot of the reason why we get to do what we do is because of them, right? But my grandpa is just still in awe and wonder of who God is. In fact, I was on the phone with him a couple of weeks ago, and he goes, all right, how are we looking for, for baptisms on the, on the 23rd? And, and, and I told him, I said, Grandpa, here's, here's where we're at. And, and just with, he's almost 91, just with the most childlike awe and wonder, he just goes, ah, oh, isn't that so great? Eternal destiny is just, just changing, right? And He's more at awe and wonder about God than he's ever been. Why? Because for 90-something years, he's just been allowing God to break down any box that he tried to put him in. And now his image of God is so much bigger and so much closer to, to the actual eternal, infinite God. And so my definition of wonder is simply this. Wonder is when you realize the box you've been putting God in is too small. And why it's so important that we constantly, like my grandpa, continue to, to chase down and pursue being in awe and wonder of God is, is because when we learn how to wonder, God breaks down our God box. And we get to, get to start trusting him more and walking in step with where he wants to go. So that's what I want to do is I want to talk for a few minutes just about Jesus. Because Jesus is, as Colossians 1.15 tells us, the image of the invisible God. And so I wanna take a, a few minutes and just brag about Jesus. Just share some things that have been on my heart uh, about Jesus. And as we go, the goal is that all of our images of God would get bigger and that God would shatter these boxes that we hold him in and that we'd walk out of here with a better understanding of who God is. Does that sound good? You up for it? All right, here we go. The God box, two words, first two words to describe Jesus are this. Jesus is Lord and he's lowly. Jesus is Lord and at the exact same time, he describes himself as lowly. Let's take it one at a time and then we'll put it together. First, Jesus is Lord. A lord is just somebody who has uh, dominion or authority over people. Back in the first century, um, they would say G uh, Caesar, this guy who ruled Rome and Rome ruled the world. People would say Caesar is lord because Caesar wanted to be divine. And then Jesus comes on the scene and his followers started saying Jesus is Lord, or in other words, Jesus, Caesar, is who you want to be, but you aren't. Jesus isn't just a, a cool teacher or a good human. He is actually Lord. He is actually God, or as Revelation 17 puts it, he's not just king. He's the king of kings. He's not just Lord. He's the Lord of lords. Jesus is Lord, and I'm telling you, the more that you remember that, the more that this box that you put God in just starts to, starts to shatter, Right, And by the way, Jesus did this all the time when he was on the, this earth. He'd be walking like with, with his boys, with Peter, and, and, and he would just stop in Luke 10 and say things like this. Luke 10, he says, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Like picture that. 
You're walking with Jesus, just had a good lunch. And he goes, by the way, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Peter's gotta be like, you did? You know, like you're 31, bro. What are you talking about? Like, like Satan fell like lightning from heaven. We, we think, some, we know sometime before Genesis 3, where he shows up in the garden as a serpent, right? But that was thousands of years before Luke 10. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is just like, yeah, no, I was there. Like, Peter just had to be like, where were you? Or maybe the better question, who are you? As Peter starts to realize that this isn't just some rabbi, this is the Lord, this is God. That day of the box that Peter put God in was shattered and he started thinking bigger about Jesus. Or one other one, this one's funny, in John chapter eight where Jesus just goes, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. <laughs> I love the, the verb text there. Before Abraham was born, again, about 1,800, 2,000 years before Jesus was saying these, already was. I am. In other words, Jesus is Lord, or at least he claimed to be. For, for the skeptics in the room who are my people, because my brain works that way too, C.S. Lewis pointed something out that's helped me tremendously. He, he pointed out that Jesus claimed to be God claim to be Lord, which means um, there's really only three options for Jesus. Either he was a compulsive liar and like brilliantly good at lying, or he was a lunatic and he thought he was God, but he wasn't, or he's actually Lord. And when you predict your own, not just death, but resurrection, and then actually pull it off, it's a pretty good indication that it's the third option. Jesus is Lord, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I just need people to remind me about that. Like, um, we, we talk about our counselor, Gary, a, a lot, because he's somebody who um, just has, he just thinks very, he has a very big view and understanding of who God is, and we were um, at Mozart's Coffee a couple months back, and we were just sitting there enjoying the, the decent coffee, if we're being real, but the amazing views. Shout out to Mozart's. I don't know, why did I just take a stab at Mozart's? I love you, Mozart's. I go there all the time. Uh, run it back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I was talking to Gary about some, an upcoming big decision that I had and how I was kind of anxious uh, about it. And he goes, why? And I go, well, I just, I mean, I guess there's a part of me that just wonders and is worried that, that God's not gonna come through. And he just stops me. And it's so, like, this is it's such a classic Gary move. Just with a smile on his face, without skipping a beat, he goes, well, God hasn't led you this far just to leave you hanging out. Like, God's got this. And it was just the tone of his voice that, that I go, oh, yeah. Right, like my God box is too small right now. Gary, thank you for reminding me that Jesus is Lord. Thank you for reminding me that if I just seek first the kingdom, that he's going to give me everything that I need. Thank you for reminding me that he has every hair on my head counted. Thank you for reminding me that he is my good shepherd. Thank you for destroying this little box that I was trying to put God in. Sometimes we just need to be reminded that Jesus is Lord. So if that's you this morning, let me be the one to remind you that Jesus has got this. God's got this. He hasn't led you this far just to leave you hanging. He's got this. It may not look exactly like you want it to, but he's got this. Now, at the exact same time Jesus is Lord, 
He's also lowly, which is a word we don't use uh, a whole lot. But in Matthew 11, Jesus describes himself as lowly. And so we have four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We've got 89 chapters in those four gospels. And only one place, Matthew chapter 11, this is the only place where we get actual insight into Jesus's own heart. Like we learn a ton about what he does. But in Matthew 11, he tells us, hey, this is what my heart is like. Let's read it together. It says this, come to me, all who labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Love this passage. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, here it is, and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Now, can I make a confession? It's a safe place, right? No judgment as it's just being recorded. And Mozart's is just so angry at me. Uh, I have read this passage for years. I've taught this passage for years. I've meditated on this passage for years. I've never once noticed this word lowly before. Because I always just go, uh, you'll find rest for your souls. Any, any, who needs some rest for their soul right now? Anybody tired? Anybody tired in a way that a good night's sleep's not gonna fix? You know, and like on and on you go, and that's great, and I'll keep preaching that because that's so true. And, and yet, right in the middle of this amazing passage, Jesus gives us insight into who he is, and he goes with lowly. Now, the next question is, well, what does lowly mean? I'm gonna answer that, but first, I need you to answer a question for me. I need some crowd participation. Are you ready? Shout it out. What is your go-to karaoke song? A little BSB down here. What do we got? Sweet Caroline. Who else? Lewis and Phillips. Well done. I love it. What do we got? Vanessa Carlton. <laughs> well done. Paramore? <laughs> As is singing Paramore is something I'm, I'm down for. That's amazing. Um, any, any karaoke night that you go to, you're going to hear, let's be real, like a handful of songs. Uh, Kylie showed us a video she has of Doug and I. When we first got here, we did a karaoke night, and Doug and I singing We Are the Champions just so passionately, and some random guy that, that we don't know comes up and just gives Doug a high five, like right in the middle of it. Just like, you guys are, you guys are good, and we're not. <laughs> You're gonna hear some BSB, or some NSYNC, some Britney. You're probably gonna hear Don't Stop Believing" by Journey. And then, if we're honest, we're going to hear the song, Friends in Low Places, by Garth Brooks. And it's a hit. Why? Because Garth is keying into something that we all feel, that, that we all, if we're being honest, feel like frauds sometimes, right? Like we all feel like we don't fit in, like we don't belong, like we're out of place. And so how amazing is it that we have some friends who will just accept us the way that we are? Friends in low places. Jesus, when he describes his heart, he chooses the word lowly, and I think it's because he wanted us to know that although he is Lord, he's also our friend in low places. So he's Lord, he's God, 
and yet he's ready to sit with us when we're at our worst. Now, he's not doing uh, a lot of the activities that we tend, tend to associate with friends in low places, right? And we'll get to that in a second. But go read the Gospels. He's always ready to just sit down with people who everybody else pushes to the outside. He's always ready to, to find a tax collector, a trader, and not just encourage them, but sit down and recline at the table and share a meal with them. I love this phrase, recline at the table. We need a little context for this phrase because like he'll sit down with Matthew and Jesus will be reclining at the table. Matthew and the other tax collectors will be reclining at the table. And you kind of hear that and you're like, I, I don't, that's cool, but like, what does that really mean? Okay, so um, in the first century, first off, meals were everything. Sitting at the table together were like, these days, it's fast food on the way to our next meeting. Those days, it was like, we're going to take time right now to share this meal together. Reclining means that you would lay on your left side and lay down and enjoy the meal that's in front of you and eat with your right hand. It was a way of saying, hey, I'm with you. I'm here, and I'm not going anywhere. It's like this. You ever walked into a party and just noticed like three different tiers of people at the party? Like when you first walk in, there's always going to be some people by the door who are like, they showed up, but they're really like, as soon as things get weird, they're out of there kind of a thing. You know, like they're talking to their spouse on the way over, like, hey, if I pat my head three times, it means we get out of here, you know? <laughs> Tell them Larry's car just died and we gotta go give him a jump or something, right? Oh, don't pretend. Some of you had that conversation on your way to church today. <laughs> like, all right, we'll go to Red Rocks, but if these Christians get weird, we're out of here. You know, patting my head. <laughs> By the way, hey, if that is you, I, I can't say enough. Thank you for joining us today. It means the world. You're welcome here exactly as you are. I know church hurt is real. Uh, the church has made about a million and a half mistakes. Some of those were made by me. Um, and so I'm sorry, and it is an honor that you would trust us to, to hang out with us today. So at, at any party, you've got the first tier of people that are really just there but ready to, to get out. And then you have like the second tier of people, like the finger food folks, you know? <laughs> they're, they're there for the appetizers. They've hung their coats up. They're there. But like really, they're just thinking about watching This Is Us later. <laughs> you know what I mean? Stop pointing at your friends. This is not... <laughs> right? And you're like, well, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. But like, I'm not sticking around to clean up. You know, and then if you keep walking further into the home, there's always this like inner tier of people who are in it for the night, who are saying, no, this is, this is, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm gonna do the dishes afterwards, right? Like that is the image I want you to have when you think of Jesus reclining at the table. He's not just waving at tax collectors to check something off of a list. He's going, no, I love you. I'm here for you. I'm with you. Like, let's, let's share a meal together. Why? Because Jesus is lowly. And yet, if I'm being honest, when I have a tough day, when I stray, when I wander, I still have moments where I go, ah, can I talk to Jesus right now? You know? Like, maybe, Jesus, I'll put together a, tomorrow will be better. I'll put together a good day. I'll preach a good sermon. I'll get it together. Like, and then, and then I'll, I'll come to you. And yet Matthew 11 says that, no, 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 I am lowly in heart, which means when you're at your worst, that's where I say, come on, 
Come on, just as you are, mess included. I just want to be with you. Why? Because I'm Lord, but I'm also lowly. How about this? Next time you feel that way, next time you feel like you've wandered from the path and you feel yourself starting to feel like you need to go sit in time out for a little bit, or pay a price for a few days, or go like give a little bit more or help enough people before you can come back to God? What if you saw that as an opportunity to let God shatter that little box that you put God in? What if you heard Jesus say, no, right here, right now, in the brokenness and everything that comes with it, I love you, died for you, crazy about you, Let's recline at the table together and share a meal. Use that as an opportunity to let God shatter the box that you put him in. Jesus is Lord, but he's also lowly. Let's do another one and then we'll get you out of here. Jesus is also humble and holy. Not only is he Lord and lowly, he is humble and holy. Let's start with holy um, because when I start talking about lowly, these rhymes are really, I'm proud of myself. <laughs> um, when we start talking about how Jesus is lowly, it's easy to say, well, Ryan says that, that Jesus will be close to me when I'm at my worst, so I'm just gonna make sure I'm like at my worst a lot, you know, and then Jesus is gonna be, we call it cheap grace, right? But, but here's the thing, although Jesus is lowly and always there for us when we're at our worst, he also takes holiness really seriously. Right, like, like he's the first one to give you grace and to, to stand with you when you need it. He'll give you grace when you need it, but he'll also give you truth when you're ready for it. He'll give you grace and he'll be with you, he'll be lowly, and then he'll call you to a higher standard. And he'll say things like, hey, from now on, go and sin no more. Hey, you don't have to live, you, stop, stop looking to drink from, from that well. That's not giving you the life that you're looking for. I've got better, more abundant life over here and come and follow me and live like me, right? Like I think about Luke chapter five when Peter first meets Jesus. You know the story, he's out fishing, he catches nothing all night and then Jesus goes, morning time where the fish can see the net, goes, hey, throw the net in one more time and Peter's like, you're, you're a carpenter, I'm a fisherman, let me call the shots here. He's like, no, 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 do it, throw, throw it in one more time. And, and then he hauls in more fish than the boat can hold, and Simon Peter says this. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, there's our Lord word, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. And Jesus is like, we're just fishing, you know? Like, I didn't even talk about your character. Like morality, right? Just being in Jesus's presence, in the presence of his holiness was enough for Peter to go, I gotta get my life together, man. Like, have you ever been around somebody that, that is just in really good shape and super healthy? And not the one that's like self-righteous about it, that's just annoying, right? But when somebody's really humble about it, they don't even have to say anything. I just, I get to the end of hanging out with them and I'm like, man, I gotta do like a cleanse, you know? Because like, <laughs> That person is like super, they have so much energy and, and they're so happy and they're gonna live to be like 120. Like just being in their presence makes me want to get in better shape, right? Well, well Jesus had the same effect on people with his holiness. Just Jesus being present with people made people want to get better. Man, that's one of the reasons we just tell you to keep coming back. 
Keep coming back to church. Keep singing these songs. Keep reading the word. Keep fixing your eyes on Jesus and just watch. Just watch as all the other things that this world has to offer just starts to lose its grasp on you. You fix your eyes on the holiness of Jesus. All of a sudden, you start to want to go and do likewise. But here's the thing about holiness. The interesting thing about holiness is oftentimes, for us, when we start uh, getting, like doing better morally, watch how quick the human heart is to start judging people who aren't. You string together two good weeks, all of a sudden you're looking down on somebody who's living the way you lived for 30 years, you know? And you're like, that's two weeks, bro, come on. Jesus was holy and yet he was humble at the exact same time. That combination, y'all, it shatters any box that I would try to put God into. That's absolutely, utterly compelling that the holiest human to ever exist laid down his life for us. Because it was, it was Jesus' holiness that originally got Peter to go, Lord, I'm with you. But it was Jesus' humility over the course of three years of living life together that made Peter say things like in Acts 4, 20, look, you can kill me if you want. I can't stop speaking about what I've seen and heard. I'm with Jesus, holy and humble at the exact same time, shattered any box that I've tried to put him in, utterly compelling the image of the invisible God. I, I'm sorry, I can't help it. Think about Mary. It was Jesus' holiness that caused those seven, seven demons to, to go out of Mary when they first met but it was Jesus' humility that invited her to come be a part of the movement. Jesus is the, the epitome of humility and holiness tied in to one. And it all comes to a T with this beautiful verse in 2 Corinthians 5. And by the way, if you're wondering uh, what we're about around here at Red Rocks, let me sum it up for you with one verse. That God made him who had no sin, think about that, Jesus had no sin, complete picture of holiness, had no sin, and yet not just holy, humble enough to step out of heaven to come for us. Holy enough to have no sin, humble enough to become sin for us. We're gonna let that sink in for a second. Goes to the cross to become your sin for you. Why? Well, so that in him, you may become the righteousness of God. So that in him, you may go free. You know what that means? It means we can all stop trying so hard to be the best. It means we can all stop trying so hard to be the savior. It means we can all stop trying so hard to fix everything in this world. You don't have to be the best. Take a breath. You don't have to be the best friend. You don't have to be the best dad. You don't have to be the best mom. You don't have to be the best student. You don't have to be the best coworker. Strive to do your best. You don't have to, you don't have to be the best, though. Why? Because Jesus took that for you on the cross. 
He goes, no, no, no. I'll take their shortcomings because I'm holy. I'll take their shortcomings because I am what they are not so that they can become the righteousness of God. Do you know that? Do you know that God, that Jesus died for you? If you've been around church a long time, I know that you know that. But like, really, he died for you. And not just because he had to, but because it's who he is. Because he's Lord and lowly, humble and holy. He saw you and so loved you that he goes, I got this. I, it wasn't just divine decree, it was divine delight. And the more that I think about that, the more that I meditate on that, this little box that I try to put God in, it just gets shattered, man. It's just too small. God's so beautiful. God's so loving. There's this great book I've been reading called uh, uh, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, and um, highly recommend. But I was out in my backyard reading it. It has inspired a lot of this talk, and it's like I've been thinking about Jesus, following Jesus for a long time. And he, he starts explaining Jesus in, in ways that I, I haven't thought of before. And it's like all over again, the box that I try to put God in just shatters. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a holy thing. It's the work of the spirit in your life to, to let this God box get shattered over and over and over again. Man, man, some of you, some of you are, uh, uh, can you throw that second Corinthians verse back up? Sorry, Ty, that's on me. Some of you are, are sitting here and you're going, man, should I, should I get baptized? Uh, like, I'm following Jesus, but if I'm being honest, like, my life's kind of a mess. Oh, you mean like you're an imperfect person pursuing a perfect God? Welcome to the party, man. You are now, guess what you're going to be after you get baptized? An imperfect person pursuing a perfect God. It's just that, that baptism is the declaration that you go, I know I'm not enough, and so I'm so thankful that God is enough and that God is holy enough to go to the cross for me and humble enough to lay down his life for me so that I can become the righteousness of God. Take a breath. Let yourself off the hook. Next time you get stressed out about whatever comes your way this week, just take a breath and let God shatter this box that you put him in because Jesus is Lord and lowly. He's humble and holy. Now we could talk all day about kind of the intellectual side of this, but as a lot of you know, uh, one of the best ways to let God break the box that you put him in is through experience. That's been true in, in my life that over and over and over again, I've seen God show up in, in ways that just shatter this, this little box. One uh, that comes to mind is back in 2016, Doug and, and Ethan and I, we've, we've had this dream forever to plant a church. We've always known, man, we wanna, we wanna go plant a church one day. And in 2016, we took a drive up to the mountains to meet with some of our, our good friends. And uh, we were hanging out with them and, and one of them goes, hey, uh, so you guys have been talking a big game for years. <laughs> When's it gonna be time? When's it gonna be time for you to go plant a church? And we get back in Ethan's Jeep and we're driving through the mountains and we go, man, I feel like they're right. Like maybe it is time. Maybe it's our time to, to finally go plant a church and, and we love Red Rocks. Like love 
Red Rocks. And we were laughing about how, like, if we were to go plant a church, it would, like, 99.999% of what we did would just be replicating what Red Rocks has already done. And then we get this crazy idea. We go, hey, what if it doesn't have to be, like, like our thing? What if, like, the humility kicks in, right? By the way, when the humility starts to kick in, it's usually a good sign that God's about to work. Humility starts to kick in. And we go, what if, what if we just, like, came underneath like Sean and the team's vision and, and just asked them if we could go plant a Red Rocks church. And we were laughing like, I, maybe, maybe they'll go for it. I, I don't know. And, and so we start to get pumped up and we go, okay, Doug, when we get down the mountain, you're calling Sean. You're gonna call Sean. We're like, we're like, like blasting our tunes, you know, like our pump up jams, like with everything that's coming through the speakers. We're like, Doug, you're calling Sean and you're just gonna tell him our heart and we're just gonna see what he says. Okay, as we're having that conversation, Doug's phone goes off. It's a text from Sean. Hey, you and your buddies ever thought about planning a church? Call me. The little God box that I drove up the mountain with just shattered on the floor. You know, you're like, Doug calls Sean, he spends 30 minutes pitching the exact same vision that we were going to pitch to Sean back to us. He goes, you guys go anywhere you want, anywhere you want, pick a city and let's go. Let's, let's go multiply this church out so that we can make heaven more crowded, not just in Denver and in Brussels, but somewhere else in, in the country. Let's go do this thing. And, and, and we're driving down the mountain just like, God, this is insane. Like, like I knew that you were good and I knew that you were big, but I didn't know you were that big and you were that good. Right? I can tell you story after story after story. About a year later, we end up in Austin to scout it out, and, and we go to a bunch of churches on Sunday, and then on Monday morning, we go meet with a um, leadership team at a church called Austin Stone, an amazing church in the city that we just love so dearly. We hang out with them for a few hours, and they just encourage us. And then they tell us all about Austin and where we should go and, 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 and how we could link arms and, and help make heaven more crowded in this city. And the guy, I'll never forget, he goes, I, I pray that God hastens the day that you get out here because we need help, man. Because they're, they're just a kingdom-minded, amazing church. And I don't know if you know this, but Austin Stone's offices are like about 100 yards away from here. They're right across 35 in that, that shopping center over there. So we walk out of the meeting we get in the car, Doug's driving, and uh, he's still trying to figure out the frontage roads, you know, because we had just gotten here. And he still is. <laughs> trying to turn on 35, misses 35, ends up on the 183 frontage road. So we drive right there. He points at this building, and he goes, can you imagine? Like, imagine one day we have a space like this to help people experience God and find family and discover purpose and go leave. And about 10,000 stories later, some of which are miraculous, some of which were scary, some of which were, were frustrating, all of which were God-breathed, I drive into the same parking lot this morning, realizing that I get to spend the entire day helping people think about God bigger and letting God just shatter these boxes that we put them in. Why? Because when we start taking steps of faith, man, when we start taking steps of faith, every single time God goes, I've got you, I've got you. I know it's scary, Peter, but get out of the boat. 
I know it's scary, Ryan, but get out of the boat. I know it's scary, guys, but take a step. I've got you, I've got you, I've got you, man, and you just watch. You just watch. Whatever that next step is that you feel like God's placing on your heart right now, you just watch what starts to happen. You watch what starts to happen when you start to take those steps where God meets you there every single time. And so like for you, if you're in this room and you're going, man, I just feel stuck, uh, I feel like I'm in a season where I don't know what my next step is going to be. Could it be that it's because you're putting God into too small of a box? Hey, if God was big enough to breathe stars, to speak and the universe comes into existence, listen to me, he's big enough to speak a new season of life into your life. I promise you. Hey, take some of my faith if you need some of it. I promise you, let God break that little box that you're putting him in and start getting your hopes up again that he's got more for your life, that your story's not over and any test that you're running into is just a testimony that you're going to pass on to people in the future. If you're in this room today and you're like, man, you know what? I, I, like, I'm, I'm doing it, I'm trying to take these steps, but I just feel like there's opposition coming from every which way. Like all of hell is, 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 is trying to stop me from doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing. Hey, can I just remind you that the God we serve does not belong in a box. We serve a God who literally went down and took an entire people group called the Israelites out of slavery and into the promised land. And when they came up against a Red Sea, a huge body of water in front of them, and the biggest army known to man behind them, when they were stuck, when they had nowhere else to turn, they turned to God and he just parted the sea right in front of them and they walked through on dry ground. Why? Because when we take steps, God starts to shatter these little boxes that we put him in and we start to see that he's bigger than we ever knew. Felt this at the nine, maybe some like ministry opportunity, whatever that looks like, and yet you're feeling unqualified. Uh, a, I know the feeling really well, <laughs> really well. B, can I remind you that the church was started by 12 very unqualified, uneducated human beings, one of which was just there to betray the whole thing, right? <laughs> Like picture like the Father and the Spirit having a conversation, like looking down at Jesus and his crew, like, hey, so who's gonna pick up the ball when, when Jesus is, is gone? And the Father's like, well, we were thinking Peter. The Spirit's like, like falling in the water, Peter? You know, like that's our guy? Like, yeah, I think, I, I, I think so. And yet 2,000 years later, we're here on the other side of the world singing songs to the same exact God, celebrating the same movement because the movement of God cannot be stopped out because God doesn't belong in the box that we try to put him in, man. Let God shatter that box. If you're here and you're like, I know, I know, it's just not, it's not for me, I'm not ready. I'm not ready yet. You're never gonna be ready. Take it from someone who's never felt ready a day in their life. God doesn't call the qualified man, he qualifies the call. Take a step of faith and just watch, just watch God explode these boxes that you're putting him in. And the last thing I'll say, just feel like some of you have a God-sized dream in your heart. I don't know why that phrase has been on my mind all week. God-sized dream in your heart. You don't feel like you're allowed to chase it. You just stuff it down. Whoever this is for, do you know who put that God-sized dream in your heart? God. Do you know why it's God-sized? So that when you chase it down and it comes to pass, 
he'll get all the glory instead of you. It's there because God's going, come on, I've got more for you. Stop putting me in this little box. I am victory. I am the name above all names. I am the King of Kings. I am the Lord of Lords. Come with me, let's go. And so today we're just going to, to sing some songs of worship and just get our eyes off of ourselves and get them onto the creator of the universe and just let God shatter these little boxes that, he put, that we put him in. I was gonna just shatter it right now, but I need it for the six o'clock, I'm sorry. But I was, I, I don't know, I was close, I was close. Maybe at the six, come back for the six. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's stand to our feet. You guys stand to your feet with me? Can you imagine? <laughs> uh, stay focused, Ryan. It's time to worship y'all because Jesus' name is victory. So Father God, all across this place right now, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak new life into us, that you would speak new dreams into us, that you would shatter any box that we try to put you in and that you would remind us that you are the King of Kings, that you would remind us that you are the Lord of Lords and that you would remind us that it's your name that is the victory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.